tutoring, it doesn't have to be just a remediative type of prescription, right? So I'm all about being on the offense more than defense, okay? So for all of my football people, you know, a good offense is a great defense, you know? And so it's all about how can I be proactive instead of reactive? That's how I view tutoring. I'm Nicole Holcomb, attorney by day and podcaster by night, a former educator, school counselor and administrator, and mom to a nine-year-old daughter with dyslexia who loves all things Harry Potter, Minecraft, and science. A few years ago, she was identified with dyslexia and our lives seemed to turn upside down for a while, uh, quite literally. I created the Dyslexia Mom Wife podcast to help you navigate the upside down journey of dyslexia. You got this. If you're wanting to thrive as a mom in this dyslexia journey, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Holcomb. Thank you so much for listening. I know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts, and the fact that you chose to listen in today means the world to me. So thanks again for being here. Today, we are continuing with the Back to School mini-series, all focused on thriving this school year. Today, we have Miss Jen, as she's known by her families, the founder of Gym Tutoring, and that's G-E-M, where the goal is to provide exceptional and engaging individual tutoring to greatly improve success in and out of the classroom. On her website, she provides information about her tutoring services. If you want to know what her students think about her, just listen to the amazing stories on Instagram. And don't worry, I'll include links to all of Jen's contacts and websites in the show notes. So you can get those show notes at dyslexiamomlife.com. Jen is going to share with us today the five ways tutoring is helpful and the components of reading. I love her enthusiasm for reading and you're going to love her too. After you listen to the episode, you can grab a copy of the Back to School Survival Guide for Moms to set you up to thrive this school year. Listen first and then grab the freebie. The link to the freebie is in the episode description and at the website dyslexiamomlife.com. I won't make you wait any longer. Let's chat with Jen. Hey, Jen. I'm so excited to have you on the show today, and I'm so glad that you're part of our Back to School mini-series. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, for those that don't know you yet, can you do a little introduction for them and maybe tell us a little bit about what led you to start your tutoring company? Absolutely. So my name is Jennifer Amicia. I am the founder of Growing Exceptional Minds Tutoring, affectionately known as GEM Tutoring. Um, I have been teaching now for almost 10 years, but in 2018, I actually had a situation where I was in between positions. So there was a job that I just knew I had in the bag waiting for me. I had interviewed. They loved me. It was going great. Um, and I was waiting. And so because my school thought I had landed that job, they filled my teaching position. And then the other job got funding cut. So the position I interviewed for was no longer available. And so I cried for about three days. <laughs> but then after that, I was like, you know, I need to do something. And so in conversation, someone asked me, you know, well, what are you good at? And I was like, honestly, like, I'm a teacher at my core. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not that girl who has, you know, 5,000 different skills. Like, at my core, 
I am a teacher and I'm, I'm pretty confident in being able to say that. And so then it was like, well, then why don't you just tutor? And I was like, well, you know what? Why don't I just tutor? You know? So I started tutoring. I made my first flyer to tutor. It wasn't even gem tutoring yet. It was just, hi, I'm a tutor, you know? And so that went on for about maybe a couple of days. I got my first client. And then after that, I landed a teaching job. So I was no longer unemployed. I was able to get back into teaching at a different school, but I didn't feel right leaving the child who had committed to tutoring. I was like, no, I started my commitment to you. So I'm going to keep tutoring. Well, that one child turned into six children in like two months, which then turned into like 12. And it just kept growing. And so I couldn't abandon the students and the families that were entrusting me with their children. And so the tutoring continued alongside my teaching career. And it's been amazing ever since. Well, I can tell that you are a true teacher at heart because when I watch your Instagram lives and things that you do, I mean, you're just so natural and so comfortable in your element. And so, and I can see too and hear from uh, the little tidbits you have on there of your students sharing their experiences. And so I can tell that you can also have that strong connection with your students. And so high five to you for that, because that's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. And then that you were able to take something that, you know, that that lights you up and and make a business around that. So tell me a little bit about how you came up with growing exceptional minds and calling it Jim, because that is just so precious. Like, I don't know how you came up with (laughs) like one of those things that woke you up at 3am that you're like, Oh yeah, it's gotta be Jim. How did you come up with that? You know, honestly, so my business was nameless for about a year. Like it was just something I was doing. It was like, Oh, tutoring with Jen. Like that's all it was. And another conversation with a good girlfriend of mine, we were talking. I said, you know, I need, a, I need a name. Like, I don't know what to call this. And so she originally called it Jem, but the G was a J. So she was trying to say Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Enriching Minds was what it was supposed to be. And I loved it, but then I was like, I'm a tutor. I can't misspell the word Jem. Like, you know, after that, people would look at me and wonder, is she for real? Really? <laughs> Why is she spelling Jem with a J? <laughs> So I knew I loved Gem, but I also knew that I didn't want my name in it as well because I, my plan is not for Gem tutoring to surround me, to surround the students. I didn't want my name in the business name because one day I may not be the tutor, right? I hope this outlives me. I hope children are getting served beyond my capacity. And so that's when we changed it to the proper spelling, G-E-M, um, and then made it make sense. So that's where Growing Exceptional Minds came from. I love that. It's, it's, it's perfect, actually. <laughs> I, I just absolutely love it. So as we talk a little bit about today, you know, this is our back to school mini series. And again, I'm excited for you to be part of that. But it it's such a challenging and an exciting time, right? Because as we we're we're both in Georgia, and as we start looking at what districts are doing around us, and how back to school looks for people. And for those of you that don't know, in the Atlanta area, some schools are 100% virtual. So that means five days a week, they're at home. There's others that are doing hybrid where maybe they go to school two days and then they're home two days for virtual. And then they're doing something different on Wednesdays. And then there's some students like my daughter's school, they're all going back face to face and they're having to take precautions. You know, do we wear a mask, not a mask. And for those of us that are in Georgia, we've already started school and we see all these social postings about they took a picture without a mask. They were in the hallways and all of these things. But the one constant that is true is 
our children are still struggling to learn to read, right? Mm-hmm. In the midst of, you know, it's it's a little overwhelming because it changes literally day to day for families. And we, we know that's a stressor. But the other piece is it's kind of exciting because we're moving into a territory where we as parents are forced to be more flexible, right? We're forced to look outside of the box, whether we want to or not. And so, you know, as we think about, you know, we're not born just knowing how to read. It really is a skill that we have to learn. And so as parents, that struggle is not going to change, right? No matter what the, the, the classroom setting looks like. So as parents are already thinking about how do I help my child learn to read, can you share a little bit about, I know you talk a good bit about this as well, is those components of reading. Because I think there are some parents out there that may think it's just reading, but there's so much more to it. And I would, you know, as those of us that had to sit around the dining room table and had to teach last year, we really could see where they fall as far as how these components work. So could you share that with us today? Absolutely. Yes, this is something that definitely, I think I do harp on <laughs> a lot on my page. So. When, pe- when a lot of parents come to me and they talk about reading, they tend to jump straight to comprehension. That's pretty much just the first things that, you know, parents would say, oh, my child is struggling with comprehending text. They don't understand what they're reading, you know, those things. Um, and I understand. I understand that that's what we want to default. However, I like to describe it as a ladder. So if you are climbing a ladder, obviously there's different steps. The first step you're going to take on this ladder of reading is going to be phonemic awareness or phonological awareness. This is your child's ability to be able to hear words and manipulate the sounds, understand just, it's all auditory. So when you're on this first stage, forget the flashcards. You don't need them right now. You don't need to be practicing, oh, A says, yeah, showing them, like none of that matters. It's not visual. This is where basically I might say to a child, you know, or do you mind being my student, Nicole? You can be my student. All <laughs> right, um, Nicole, your word is bat. Repeat. Bat. Now change the book to k cat. Exactly. So I didn't give you anything, nothing visual. It was all auditory. You want, that's the first step is can children hear the sounds and understand how they can be manipulated. This is where rhyming words come in, things like that. Once a child has mastered that, we move into phonics. This is where the cards come in, the flashcards and, you know, matching print to sound, right? Very important stage, obviously we read. So we need to be able to understand the language we're looking at. After phonics, you go into vocabulary. This is where we're starting to build up a child's vocabulary skills. Do they understand, um, can make meaning of words. Vocabulary is definitely robust, however, because it's an ongoing journey, right? You never know every single word or even understand the multiple meanings of words. For example, if depending on what a child has been exposed to, the word bat can mean different things to that child. If they're a baseball player, it's a tool to use their sport. If they love animals, it's a bird. You know, if it's a young lady, it's batting her eyelashes, right? So the word bat can have multiple meanings. And so that's why vocabulary is so important because all these things are going to lend themselves to comprehension. Without vocabulary, you can't have that comprehension piece. You just, it's going to be botched to an extent. So the first step, let me just recap. You have phonemic awareness or phonological awareness, phonics, then you move into vocabulary, then you move into fluency, and then you move finally at the top of the ladder. That final step is comprehension. You're not going to have a child who has really strong comprehension unless they also have a good foundation in those other elements. 
So those are not just the essential components of reading, the five elements of reading that I harp on a lot on my page, um, because all of them work together to create and foster a strong reader. Right. Can you share a little bit more about the fluency piece? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so fluency, I feel like, is like the black sheet. Like nobody, people know you need to be fluent, but I don't think that, and again, I'm a teacher, so I am team education. However, I don't think that teachers spend as much time explicitly teaching and harping on fluency. We spend a lot of time in phonics, especially in the primary grades, right? You guys, if you're a parent, you are getting those alphabet cards and, you know, sight words, all those things are happening. But fluency is kind of like, there's almost this idea it'll just happen, right? Like, oh, one day you'll just wake up and be fluent. (laughs) And that's not necessarily true. I mean, I've seen children who are masterful at decoding words. They can sound out words, but they still read with that robotic, staggered speech, right? And so when I think about fluency, the way I put into an equation is automaticity plus porosity equals fluency. So let me break that down for my family to are like, girl, what did you just say? <laughs> so <laughs> rewind. All right. So automaticity is basically your child's ability to retrieve words quickly. That's what's happening when teachers are doing sight word quizzes or sight word drills. It's can your child see a word and quickly identify what the word is? That's going to come again with exposure, seeing things frequently and understanding spelling and, you know, pronunciation rules and things like that. However, that's not the end all be all because a child might be able to read words, like I said earlier, very well. But the second element is prosody and that's expression, right? So we, we are not monotone. Most people are not monotone when they speak. They're expressive readers. And even when authors, I tell my students all the time, when authors take their time to read or to write a book, the punctuation is there for a reason, right? They're writing this text with the mindset of, I want you to understand the emotion behind this, right? If the child is, if the character is inquisitive, there's a question mark. If they're excited, there's an exclamation point. A good reader attends to those punctuation marks, right? And so being able to build fluency is this, this dance of, can this reader, whether a child or an adult, right? Can this reader quickly retrieve the words they're seeing on the page? And can they also pair that automaticity with expression? Can they be expressive readers? And that's why, again, going back to those five essential components of reading, if you don't have that, those fine skills down, vocabulary, all those things, if you don't understand how language is manipulated, then you can't be a fluent reader because you're not able to read the words, right? You can't sound them out. So all these things just work together. So yes, if I had to put it into a simple equation, I would say automaticity plus prosody equals fluency. Thank you. That's helpful. As I've noticed too that, well, I know there's a lot of different approaches to teaching reading. And I noticed mm-hmm. you also mentioned a lot about OG, the Orton Gillingham. How do you believe that approach works or, or marries well with the five components of reading? So I, I thought they were one and the same. So the OG or Orton Gillingham is a multi-sensory approach, right? It was founded, I believe, in 1920. There were two doctors, Orton and Gillingham. <laughs> they they um, came together and they basically, originally Orton Gillingham was founded to really support children with dyslexia. However, research has proven that that multi-sensory approach, right? Allowing the child to see, hear, touch, feel, like just really accessing all of a child's senses 
helps them to retain information so much better as opposed to only, you know, doing a lecture style of teaching. Not We know this even as adults. We have different learning styles. You know, not everyone is, in fact, most people have multiple learning styles. There's very rarely that you'll see someone who is only one, right? And so I know for me, for example, I am visual. I am visual and kinesthetic. I need to touch it. You can sit here and give me all the directions in the world and I'm going to let you finish talking and then say, great, can you write that down? (laughs) So it's just, you know, I need to see, I need to touch it, right? And so the OG approach takes that multi-sensory approach to reading. That way students are seeing the connection and it's just, it's helping things to be cemented in their minds so much easier. Plus we realize now that if you Google science of reading, parents, if you are interested in, man, what do we need? Google the science of reading. Reading does not have to be a guessing game. And it makes me so sad when, it makes me sad sad to honestly being gracious, you know, gracious with ourselves. I'm a mom too, right? And I recognize that all we want is for our children to succeed. We want them to do well, but we don't know what we don't know, right? And so I think about when I first started teaching, I had never even heard of the science of reading. I had never heard of Orton Gillingham, never. I think back to those babies that I did my best with my first few years of teaching. And I'm like, man, if I knew then what I know now, right? How differently I would have approached my instruction, right? you know, but I didn't know. I, you know, talking about those components of reading. And one of the things that I noticed that I, I just, I love what you're, you're doing on your social stuff. And I love on Instagram, you actually give some you know, some great tangible examples of things people can do at home. And I'm sure you probably share those with your, with, with your families that you work with as well. But I love some of the things that you did. Like, for example, I'm just going to share, it's kind of hard to visualize over audio for the listeners. So I'm hoping they'll go to your Instagram and, and we'll talk about that in a minute, how they can connect with you. But one of the ones I loved, I guess, cause it's, it's summertime is I love the one that you did with the pool noodles where you literally could take two different colors of pool noodles and cut them into pieces and practice the, what we call the CVC word, but the consonants, the vowels, the consonants. So like we said earlier, cat and bat, it really is just changing around. Uh, It was very simple because you just needed a marker, a magic marker, you know, some rulers, and then a couple of pool noodles. And so it's, it's hard to explain audio, but people should go check it out because I, I love all the different examples that you have where, where kids can have hands-on and it's not just, you know, sitting and, and having to write it on a piece of paper. So I really love that interaction that the students were having. I love the, the pool noodles that you have. I love that you did like muffin tins with the little play balls where they could write letters <laughs> on, work through words. And I love that it was things that were just around your house or things that you could repurpose that you may have. And it gave students the opportunity to, to really feel it and touch it as well. Absolutely. I think just finding Pinterest will be your best friend. <laughs> yes. um, YouTube. Honestly, Instagram has a cool feature as well where you can follow hashtags. So for all of my parents, if you want to, maybe you're interested in, um, you know, I don't know, you know, hands-on reading activities. Like you can check and see if that's a hashtag. And you don't have to necessarily follow a person's page. You might want to follow that hashtag. That way it'll pop up in your feed to give you ideas, especially now that we're all at home with our children. You're probably looking for ideas for sure of things you could be doing with your kids. 
And so that is something I do regularly. I follow hashtags. If I see something on Pinterest, I realize that the people who follow me are looking for ideas as well. So even if it's not my idea, if I think it will be helpful to my audience, that's what I'm going to share because it's something for you to try as well, you know? Right. And I think that is helpful because like you just said, with with thinking through about resources that are available to us and following the hashtags, especially for, so for example, some of the things you have on there may be pre-K or kindergarten, but my daughter's in fourth grade. So no, maybe I need to be looking at having things that pop up in my feed that are more appropriate for her. So that's a great example. Well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, tutoring as it relates to helping struggling readers. And I know that um, you have shared a few things about that as well, but I would love to hear what are the ways that you feel like tutoring is helpful, especially as we start back to school. And we may have been tutoring over summer, we may have taken a break, but as we pick back up with that, what are some, because I thought you have a unique spin on this, so I'd love for you to share that with with everybody. Oh, thank you. Um, Yes, I feel like for so long, people have viewed tutoring as a luxury or as something that is um, only for children who are extremely behind academically. And I really try to push for parents that tutoring, it doesn't have to be just a remediative type of prescription, right? So I'm all about being on the offense more than defense, okay? So for all of my football people, you know, a good offense is a great defense. You know, and so it's all about how can I be proactive instead of reactive? That's how I view tutoring. And so for your child, you might have a child that is struggling academically and needs support. And yes, tutoring is a great option for several reasons. One, one-on-one attention. That's something that's lacking in a classroom setting. Teachers are doing the best that we can, but it is very difficult to give each child that individualized instruction in a room of 20 plus children who all believe they're equally important because they are. So they're all calling your name at the same time. They don't hear the other 20 yelling your name, (laughs) right? All of them want your attention at the same time. As much as we are trying to attend to each child, the reality is we simply don't have the ability to really sit there and give them the time we want to give them. That's where tutoring comes in. Because with tutoring, you immediately remove about 90% of the distractions that are present in a classroom setting. It's just you and that scholar. You guys are working together. You, you're, you know what that child needs. Tutoring allows you to truly approach your instruction with a prescriptive mentality versus a general, you know, oh, okay, well, we all need to learn this because you're a third grader. So by the end of third grade, you know this. That's true. But I, what if you have a third grader who's not performing on a third grade level, whether they're above or below? Okay, mm-hmm. you might have a third grader performing on a fifth grade level. And you're teaching them third grade content. Or you have a third grader performer on a first grade level. And again, you're teaching them third grade content. Either way, it's problematic. Right. Right? Either way, it's problematic. And so tutoring is awesome because it can be used as an enrichment tool. It can be used to challenge those higher performing students. Because again, children are children. What happens when a child is bored? To all my mamas, you already know the answer. (laughs) They find something to do. And that thing might be really destructive (laughs) or it could be just extremely busy. So in a classroom setting, if you have a child who is over, you know, or performing above the grade level, now what happens? They're in class, they're bored. When children are bored, they clock out mentally. They lose motivation. They may become destructive, you know, 
and not because I'm a bad child and not because I'm a bad child, but just because, oh, you know, I need something to do. And so tutoring, I talk about it all the time. It challenges high-performing um, children. It definitely helps to remediate for those kids who just need that extra support. And something I hear a lot from my parents when they call in about calling to gym tutoring, the reality is, I don't know, parents, if you've noticed this, but have your children started to tune you out? Are your parents, like now, like I have a lot of parents saying, my child won't listen to me when I try to teach them. They just see me as mom or they just see me as dad, mm-hmm. right? So when I try to be teacher, they look at me like, oh, you're not the teacher, you're mommy or you're daddy. And they don't understand. So tutoring is helpful for that too. If you feel like your child is just not in a place to actually learn from you academically or that they're, or even that you're getting frustrated because maybe you're not a trained educator. So you're trying to explain something to your child. They're not getting it as quickly as you would like them to, or they're just not understanding it, period. And you have run out of resources. You're thinking, wait a minute, what else is there to do? This is the only way I know how to teach it. This is the only way I know to understand it. And your child is looking puzzled, right? And so that's one reason I think tutoring is helpful. There's so many reasons, but those are just a few. It's individualized instruction, creativity being brought to just your child, or even if it is a small group setting, it's still very individual. Um, it challenges higher performing students. It builds the confidence of children because they go from can't to can. And that's a big deal. Children need to be confident that they can do those hard things, you know? And so those are just a few of the ways tutoring are helpful or tutoring is helpful. Right. And I noticed too on your website, you know, you you dive a little bit more too into the 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 approach that you use in gym tutoring. I think you even have it down to four-step approach that y'all use at <laughs> during center. Can you can you share a little bit about that with us as well? Absolutely, yes. And so for us, the first step we have is a diagnostic assessment, right? So we need to figure out what are your child's strengths and then what are their opportunities for growth? You know, before we can begin tutoring, we need to know where, what the baseline is. Tutoring is one of those things where as much as I love it, it's not a full day. It's not school. It doesn't replace a full day of school. You know, tutoring is typically typically about an hour, especially depending on the age of the child, an hour on average. You know, if they're older, you might go a little bit more. If they're younger, you might go a little bit less, depending on their attention span, of course. Um, but the first step is a diagnostic assessment because we need to maximize every minute of that tutoring session. I don't want to spend time instructing your child in something they've already mastered. And notice I said mastered, not something they've been introduced to. They can be introduced to it and I have mastered it, okay? So, you know, the diagnostic informs our instruction. After that, we begin making actual lesson plans, right? So after the diagnostic, I have something called a diagnostic debrief. So after parents book the diagnostic assessment, the next step is I hop on Zoom, Zoom calls with my families. We go over the child's results. And from there, I give my professional opinion about how, about what I think their child needs. But it's a team effort. You know, it takes a village, right, to raise a child. I'm listening to my parents as well. What do you notice at home? What do you see? What do you need? Because some things can't be tested. For example, a diagnostic assessment is not going to tell me if you're confident or not. It's not going to tell me if you have insecurities, right? right? It won't tell me if you're shy. Those things actually do matter, you know, as far as how a child approaches their learning. If they don't believe in themselves, that's something else we need to address, right? Right? And so the diagnostic debrief, we make lesson plans and we start doing instruction. 
I tell parents, tutoring is a long game. This is not something where you get two sessions and then your child is baby Einstein, okay? That's not what's going to happen. Think about working out. You can't work out just one time or two times a year and think you're going to have what, you know, the perfect health that you want or the perfect physique that you want. It is an ongoing thing. Our brains are muscles as well. So we have to continually work them out, keep them engaged, keep them activated, you know? And the ultimate goal of gym tutoring, however, and I, parents are always like, wait, what do you mean? But my ultimate goal as a tutor is to become obsolete. My ultimate goal is to do my job so well that eventually your child has the tools that they need where they're not relying on me. Does that mean they can't still benefit from tutoring? Absolutely not. I have children who've been with me for over almost two years. You know, have they mastered or reached their goals? Yes. And so what do we do? We made new goals, <laughs> right? Right. And so we just keep going. We just keep going. There's always something to learn. I am truly a believer in being a lifelong learner, being a lifelong learner. I model that for our students as well. So yeah, our approach is diagnostic assessment, creating the lesson plans from that assessment, allowing the assessment results to inform our instruction, beginning actual tutoring, you know, keeping it multi-sensory, keeping the children engaged. And then finally, making sure the child has the tools they need in their toolbox where they can have those skills that they can apply to, you know, subsequent grade levels and different content areas. Right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, you know, as we think about parents maybe looking, you know, maybe they've decided to change tutoring or maybe they're just now deciding that maybe tutoring is something they should be doing uh, as we start the school year and they're trying to make some decisions. So what advice would you give to parents who are looking for a tutor? How do they go about choosing a tutor? Do you have any advice on that as well? Yes, there are a lot of resources actually out there. Um, there are websites, for example, a popular one is, oh my goodness, what is it called? <laughs> well, besides gemtutoring.com. <laughs> besides that, um, <laughs> another good one is, um, I think it's called Wyzant or Wyzant. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Surely it's W-Y-Z-A-N-T.com. Mm -hmm. They have um, a hub of tutors you can um, reach out to and try to book the perfect one. Honestly, it's just searching, word of mouth, things like that. Because I do believe that tutoring, you have to find your just right fit. Right. You know, when you're dealing with children, it's not a one size fits all. You need to know the personality. Children need to be engaged. Children need to believe that their teacher believes in them and loves them. You could have someone who's extremely book smart and not be able to relate to the heart of a child. That, again, would be problematic when it comes to sitting in front of this child for an hour mm -hmm. and wanting them to learn from you. If they, don't, if they can't connect with you, you're going to see that coming through in those tutoring sessions. And so for my parents who are looking, you know, yes, Google, you know, even maybe do a, um, a consultation if the tutor offers it, which I would hope they do. Do a consultation. See, trust yourself. Trust the energy you're getting from the tutors, right? You know your child. You know what they need. Is this tutor someone who's willing to try different things, right? Are they hands-on? Or, you know, are they constantly looking to the new research that's coming out? These are questions to ask. What approach do you have to literacy? What approach do you have to math? What approach do you have to science, social, whatever the content area is, right. your tutor should be able to tell you how they approach their instruction 
And you definitely want their approach to be research-based and not just, oh, well, this seems really cute on Pinterest. So this is how I do my tutoring. Tutoring, again, it's a long game. So if, you're, if your tutor doesn't have a systemic approach, you're going to look up a year from now and feel like your child's not making gains. So knowing that your tutor actually has a strategy is important. And you shouldn't feel, you know, odd asking, especially, hey, how do you do this? What is your strategy? Yeah, do your research. Look up hashtags as well on Instagram for your location. If you're in Virginia, look up Virginia Tutor on hashtags. See what pops up. Um, if you're on Facebook, sometimes there's groups available as well. So again, there, there are always tutors. So that there's always, you know, restaurants. And there's always, you know, counselors and things like that. You just have to find the just right fit for you. Right, exactly. Well, let me ask you this. This is always a fun question to ask people. Do you have a favorite success story that you would like to share? Maybe a former student or maybe even a success story that, that you've had that you would like to share with our audience? Yes, the minute you said that, I already knew. Um, I'll call him Jay for the purposes of this um, conversation. So um, one of my first students was Jay. 2018, he joined us before we were even gem tutoring. It was just me, right? And um, Jay came to me, his mother, oh my goodness, you just, you know that look on a mother's face when they are at their wit's end and they don't know how to reach their child, but they want the world for their child. And that's what she was. She was at a point of desperation. She's someone who's actually spoken to me um, recently. We were discussing this, how she was desperate because she was worried her child at the time was um, a third grader, but he was reading on a first grade level. And she was concerned that if he did not get the support that he needed, you know, the reality is that school to prison pipeline is legitimate concern for a lot of parents, especially parents of color, right? And so a child not being able to read, a child not being able to write, a child not having those skills is absolutely going to impact them in their adult life. You know, and it impacts their confidence. And so for her, she was really worried. She's like, you know, Jennifer, I don't understand how to help him read. He doesn't like to read. Every time I bring out a book, he gets upset, mm. right? Or, you know, he wants to play his video games. He wants to do something else. Right. And as we spoke, right, you know, and these are their kids, right? But as we spoke, I told her, I said, you know, it sounds like he's trying to escape. And people escape things that are unpleasant, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to figure out why reading specifically for him, has become unpleasant. So just from diagnostic assessments and everything, we started working together. I found what he was interested in. So one thing I had to tell her was he liked reading, but he didn't like reading the books she wanted him to read. So he, he liked like the diary. Right. He liked the comic book, the diary of a wimpy kid and all that stuff. And she was like, Jennifer, those aren't real books. I'm like, I know. But for the purposes of trying to build his love for reading, right. don't rain on his parade. <laughs> Let him read the book. He will read other stuff with me. But if he's reading those books in his leisure time, that's a success. That's good. Don't get in the way, mom. I know you're looking like, no, but they should be reading a different type of literature. Let them have this one for the time being, mama. Let them have this for the time being. And so we worked together. It got to the point where she, I remember she sent me a text message after maybe two or three months of working together. And she's like, I'm seeing him have such a new confidence. Mm -hmm. He hates when I pick him up from tutoring. He's like, wait, already? It's already over? And for me, that means everything, right? Because children are honest. Children are honest. If they don't like something, you're not getting a different answer, 
okay? And so he enjoyed coming to tutoring. He started making such amazing growth because he enjoyed the sessions. I kept it engaging with him. Within about, within less than a year, he was above grade level. So he went from being a third grader reading on a first grade level. Within a year, he was on grade level. By the end of that first year, he was about a month into the second, into the first, fourth grade level. His mother was shocked. Wow. So this is one year of instruction and seeing those gains. When he started fourth grade, he decided he wanted to start a book club at his school. Aww. This is a child who hated reading. This is a child who didn't think he could do it. And now here he is advocating for other children to join him to read for leisure. The first time she told me this, I was, I got teary eyed Mm -hmm. because that's what it's about. That's what it's about. And knowing that I was allowed to be a part of his journey means everything to me. It means absolutely everything to me. So Jay is without a doubt, one of my um, success stories. I love him to pieces. He is excellent. And I'm grateful because yes, he did graduate from GEM. He's one of our GEM graduates. And his mom wants him to come back, which I'm totally fine with. But he did get to the point where he had everything he needed to be on grade level and to continue at the pace that we were building him at. Right. That's amazing. And, and I love one of the things you said, too, in there. Well, well, everything you said, but I do love the piece that you were talking about, the engagement, because that is so important as we think about the right person. And unlike when you might be at school and you may have years that you really connect with teachers and other years are more of a struggle. I mean, that's part of education, unfortunately, but that happens in the job too. So, but I love the piece that as you're relating to tutoring and your children really that are struggling to read is that you have to find the person they connect with. And like you were saying, you know, in your gut, if it's a good fit or not. And, and the same way with our daughter, when we would pick her up, they'd be laughing and having their own inside jokes, but it let her be able to let her guard down, so to speak, to really listen and learn because they had that relationship. So I would just encourage, you know, families that, you know, if you try someone out and, and you, it's not going to be easy at the beginning, but you can tell as they start building a relationship, but if that doesn't start happening, then you want to have some hard conversations about, is this the right spot? Is this the right person? Because when you are with that right person, it really does light the student up and they're able to do things. Like you said, that you, you, we would have never dreamed they were going to be doing. And so that, I love that story that he started a book club at his school. I mean, that just yeah. show you there was a love for reading there that that wasn't what it was. So, and, and I think you're right too, is when you think about, you know, you go, (laughs) when you realize your child is struggling to read, you end up at the bookstore buying all these books and you're trying to figure out what, what they're going to like. And then, you know, from your personal experience, oh, well, I feel like they should be reading this. (laughs) And then you try to do a little research to figure out what, what's the best type of book for decoding and things of that nature. So uh, I think that's good to keep on the forefront too. And I love that you gave that advice to the mom and that she was able to hear that, that it's okay where they start. We've got to start them somewhere. So I love that advice. That's great. All right. This is a little bit harder question, but this is going to be your last question and you're going to love it because you're a mom, which is, Mm -hmm. I always love this question too. So what is the best mom advice that you've received? Oh Lord. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The best mom advice I've received to extend grace to myself. That has been one of, I think, you know, um, I have a baby baby. She's only one. Um, However, you want 
to give, oh my goodness, the world to your children. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not always going to do things as perfectly, I put that in quotes, as perfectly as you want to do it. And I think sometimes we can be very hard on ourselves as mothers, you know, especially in the world of social media and all these picture perfect moms <laughs> and their hair's always in pe- place and there's the kitchen is spotless and all this <laughs> stuff. And the children always follow directions the first time, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I mean, we can feel this pressure of, man, why isn't, you know, I'm not, what am I doing wrong? But you're not always going to finish your to-do list in the time span you hoped for. You know, you're not always going to do things perfectly. Dinner may not always turn out exactly how you thought it would based on that recipe you found, right? You know, things are going to happen. I think as moms, we extend grace to our children a lot. You know, we understand that they're kids. Like, oh, well, you're a kid. You don't know better. So when they mess up, you know, we tend to be a lot more patient with them. Like many of us tend to be much more patient with our children than we are with ourselves. When we mess up, we're, we can get into that negative self-talk. And so something I've learned is to self-parent. Parent yourself. Tell yourself encouraging things. Tell yourself that it's okay that you didn't get it right the first time. Because a healthy mom is a good mom. You know, a happy mom is a good mom. And so that has been the biggest piece of advice I've gotten that's helped me is to extend grace. Jennifer, you forgot to do this today. It's okay. No one died. We're good. Let's try again tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's a a perfect, perfect advice right now too, as we venture into this new, some people call it the new normal. Some people call it the, 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 the new future as far as how things are going to look and, probably not for the first time, but it feels like for the first time, we completely don't have control, right? Like we don't know what school's going to look like sometimes from day to day. We don't really Mm -hmm. know how all the pandemic is going to play out at this point. But what we do know is regardless of we go back six, you know, eight months to, to what we used to know or go fast forward eight months to what we don't know yet at the end of the day, we got to give grace. And so I absolutely love that because we're human and we're, we can't do it all. We got to ask for help. And it's just, we, we're going to make mistakes and, you know, it's okay for our children to see that and learn from that, that, you know, we, we are imperfect, but yes. I, cause I, I, I want people to hear about the grace piece. So I'm so glad that that's what you shared because I think we're so hard on ourselves as moms. We, you know, we were working out of the home many times and then we're working at home and then we're still trying to do all the things. And I know this last year has been very challenging for lots of people that had to work in their home and educate in their home. And it just, it, you know, it wasn't anything we anticipated. And so, you know, I don't think we did enough giving ourselves grace. And so I I appreciate that, that you're sharing that today. Well, before we wrap up, can you share with the listeners how they can connect with you and, and connect with Jim Tutoring? Yes. Um, so one, thank you for even having me. I have enjoyed this conversation. For anyone who hears this, yes, my name is Jennifer. You can connect with me on Instagram at G-E-M Tutoring. So that's Gem Tutoring. Um, also my website, Gem Tutoring, G-E-M Tutoring.com. You can reach out to me there. If you want to contact me directly, you can email me at hello at Gem Tutoring.com. And so, um, yeah, any connection, I'm, I love meeting new people. We can be friends. I can, you know, whatever you need. I love giving tips as well. So I have a lot of parents who will send me messages just asking for support, even if they're, you know, 
not quite ready to dive into tutoring, they might just have a simple question. I would definitely answer it the best I can. Yeah. And I, I'd love your Instagram. So your feed is, is great. It's, I enjoy spending time looking at the things that you have out there. There was something else I thought of I was going to ask you about. Oh, is your practice right now primarily online? Are you still seeing people face to face or how are you, how are y'all handling that? So for example, if someone were to be listening outside of Atlanta, but felt a connection and wanted to do some type of online tutoring, or is your business doing that as well? Are you still doing just face to face or how does that look right now for you? Currently, we're just doing virtual. So yes, I am open to whomever. We are an Atlanta-based company. However, due to the pandemic and us having to do things differently, it's been great because it's extended our reach. So I have tutored, even just in the summer alone, I've tutored children in Chicago, New Orleans, Florida, New York. I had someone in Nigeria reach out to me for tutoring. So yes, um, the thank goodness for the internet. So yes, any families that need support, please not hesitate to reach out to me. I am definitely willing to help. Awesome. Well, I think it really has opened the door for everybody to see that there is so much more opportunities than, you know, we love face-to-face because we love connecting, but then, you know, for some families, there's not, you know, someone that they connect with locally. And so I I think it's great that we're able to continue online. And I think that that, you know, although that was a 24-hour hiccup that everybody had to adjust to, it really has opened our eyes to other possibilities and working with people in other states and other locations. And so that's, I think that's been a, maybe a positive, a benefit that's come out of all this. It's been great talking to you today and I appreciate you taking time out of your day to be with us today. And I have enjoyed uh, following you and will continue to follow you. And I love everything that you're doing at Jim Tutoring and absolutely love the name as well. So thank you again so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I've truly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. I'd love to hear what you think about the podcast. So head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, leave a review, and hey, I might just give you a shout out on the next podcast. So I'm so excited that you were here with us today. Have I mentioned that you should subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any episodes? Just check in. Seriously, subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. And have I told you, you got this. So I will see you next week. Same time, same place. Go enjoy your day.